the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Are you... Talking money, investment concepts, thoughts, ideas. We can talk insurance. We can talk investments. We can take your phone calls. We can talk about the wisdom of going to an expensive store or game. We can talk about car payments or no car payments. I know people are addicted to car payments. They feel, and I heard this the other day, Tony. This was the craziest thing I heard. Um, person car is, is at its end of its life cycle a little bit too early because it was ridden too hard. Time to go trade it in and get a new one. Um, wisely get in two years certified, which thumbs up because sometimes that's difficult to do when you want the new car smell. As Chad Burton would say, and man, like I said earlier, he is full of hot air. <laughs> it's new to you. <laughs> oh, he's such a bore. He's a showboat. He's a grandstander. I'd say he's a bore. So I'm the showboat and grandstander. Um... But yeah, anything people want to talk about, we can talk wealth creation, we can talk investment, we can talk retirement taxes, your money, we can talk business. Uh, there's any, there's no shortage of things. One of the things I want to talk about is real estate because you're here today. And I saw that in the second quarter of the year, arm usage goes up, um, adjustable rate mortgages. And I instantly went, why? And Tony Mendez works with BayAreaLoanSource.com. He does my mortgage work, currently working through a home equity line of credit which is such a process. We're on the tail end of it at this point in time, but it is such a process. Um, Tony, arm usage. Did you? I figured out this, the reason why arm usage goes up in the second quarter. Do you know the the official reason given? Uh, I don't. Are you talking about your reason or the the real reason? Uh, the real reason arm usage goes up in the second quarter of the year. No. I, back to school. Back to school. Okay. People go and they're looking for homes for their kids. So it's the single family person that is buying too much home or they're buying, it's expensive. Okay. So well, they're saying, you know, arm usage goes up in large part tied towards all the people buying single family homes in spring. Well, that, that's one, that's one of the reasons the, the, the reason why, I mean, obviously a 30 year fix would fit. If you would could get a 30 year fix, you would get it. Um, the, the, what they're saying in this report is that more people are using arms because it's the, the only loans that they qualify for, or it helps them qualify for more. It's kind of one in the same. Um, arm usage is low, so you are going to see any kind of activity uh, in upward look like a large percentage. Uh, in the Bay Area, we to the, go back to 2005, six, and seven, leading to the uh, Great Recession. We were using about sixty-five percent of originate of homes being purchased. They were using arms, okay, and there was a component in there with those the liar loans, the teaser rates, and the negam loans, things like that. That were a large portion of that, but arm usage was there because it had that super low rate. 
then we had the crash and now we have qualified mortgages and everybody's kind of fearful of the 30 year fixed. And now we're in, now we're getting back to those arms because home price, because that lower interest rate helps people qualify for more. So that's the reason why this made news. Otherwise it would not normally make news because more people need it for buying that higher priced home. So I, I once was driving on a country road. It was super dark at night. And as I'm driving down, it's it's raining and it's windy road and it's a country road. I see a man standing on the side of the road. I decide to pull over and give him a ride. I stop. He's a horrible looking man. He's got three heads, no arms, one leg. I open the door. And because I'm English in this joke, I go, hello, hello, hello. You look pretty harmless. Jump in. So once again, he had three heads, no arms, and one leg. What's an arm? You just went on about arm usage and stuff, such like that. Adjust, people, adjustable rate mortgage? Why would people use a three-armed person or a five-armed <laughs> person? Three-year arm, five-year arm, seven-year arm. Well, let's say, for example, that you're going to buy a house and you're going to move in five years. Let's say, for example, you're such a salesperson. Let's say, for example, you buy a house. Do you want to get insurance on it? Do you want to protect your family? Let's say, for example, a comet falls on your house and kills everyone. Aren't you glad you had insurance? Go ahead. Uh, for example, it's your turn. For example, it's my turn. Uh, and why would you get a thirty-year fix when you can pay, you know, three quarter, uh, three um, three quarters of a percent lower in rate, s- and your payments lower, and to end up with the same balance, why would you pay more? Right? That's the whole theory behind it. If you are going to stay in the house for a longer period of time and you get an arm, you risk that. When that loan starts adjusting, because I've sold almost every home that I own, I always got thirty-year mortgages, and I thought I was going to be in it for thirty years. But a lot of the homes that I owned, I didn't own for thirty years. I kind of regret getting thirty years. It's like getting term life insurance. It's 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 like getting a two-year used car. It's a lower payment than a brand new car, and I could have put money elsewhere. Yep. But stupid me, I'd get a thirty-year fixed, and I'd be like, I'm happy because I know it's going to stay the same. And then five years later, I'm like, I'm moving to the West Coast. Well, the component that really um, messed people up back in 2007 and eight was the interest only because they'd go five years that. for the interest only, and then it would recast. Yeah. So their balance never went down, and then their term was 25 years, and their payment would, would go up $1,000 a month, and they're like, oh, what do I do? And uh, luckily, home prices were going up, but when home prices are going down, people don't they don't feel like they should be paying that extra thousand. And that's what really screwed things up. And then the negams were even worse because they were adding, a, not only were you paying interest only, you're adding the, the difference between the start rate and the real rate to the top of the loan. So they were adding a balance. So it was, it was even worse with the negam loans. Um, those yeah. aren't there anymore. So I feel a lot more comfortable getting an arm today and not just for mortgage. The seven year is fantastic priced. But I wouldn't get it if I can't qualify for the 30-year fixed. Or I wouldn't get it unless I can save that extra $100, $200, $300 a month that I'm saving. And and the larger the loan, obviously, the more you're going to save by getting that 1% difference in rate. If you're not saving that money in, in, in anticipation that rates are going to be higher in seven years and you have to refinance and you have to buy the rate down or you need to sell the house. You got to have that money saved. It's just like we were talking about the car. Keep planning on making that payment so you don't have that payment shock uh, when you go back and buy a new car. I'm with you. Um, with arms, though, are they easier to qualify for or tougher in your world? Because it's a smaller payment. Well, if you if 
without boring you with guidelines. Please, please. It's what please. you do. Bore me. Uh, if you get a five-year arm, they qualify you at the rate plus two. But a seven-year arm, they qualify you at the start rate. That's why the seven-year is more popular right now. So if you don't qualify at a 30-year fixed at 4.5%, but you get a seven-year arm at 3.5% and your payment's 200 dollars lower and you qualify, yeah, you're gonna, you, it does help you qualify, yes. Okay. But the underwriting is all the same. Credit scores and could be a little bit tougher. Cash out or restrictions, um, restrictions on second homes and restrictions on investment property, duplexes, triplexes, so on. Okay. Um, one minute. One minute. Negative interest rate. Um, any chance interest only uh, mortgages are still available on they, ARMS? Oh yeah, they are. Uh, That's crazy. They are on what they call a non-qualified mortgage loan, and you usually, you're going to get those only at portfolio lenders, lenders that don't sell to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. They keep it in their own bank, their own pocketbook. Uh, but they are available, but the rate starts higher anyways. So you might as well get the, the total principal interest pay- loan anyways. There's not just one mortgage product out there. There's hundreds of mortgage products out there. And you may want to discuss this with Tony Mendez. He's at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. A lot of wealth can be created in real estate. A lot of squandered opportunities can go down the drain because of real estate. A uh, lot to think about. Home equity line of credit, a way of selling your home without actually selling it. Talk to Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Talk to me at RobBlackShow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Three or four years ago, and on the tender date, the guy wanted to get her upstairs to his apartment, so he said... I've got a 3D TV. You want to come in and see it? And she said, sure. So she got to see what a 3D TV looks like, and she ultimately left unscathed. Sometimes men lure women with scripts. Hey, you want to come up to the hotel room and get a script? See which, Pick a script that you want to be in. Any script. Like, what a line, right? Holy mackerel, that's scary. But um, 3D TVs, that's even scarier. Think about things that we had in our society that came and went, Right. Um, 3D TVs didn't quite make it. Now, I always thought 3D TVs were doomed to fail because TVs, we sit around our living room and we watch the Super Bowl together. And the idea of having a party of like 12, 13, 14 people in your home and you'd have to have 12, 13, 14 pair of glasses to watch said Super Bowl in 3D. And I was like, this will never work. And then I was like, well, maybe my producer, Mike, will invite me over to his apartment or his house and we'll watch the Super Bowl together and eat Cheetos. Corn chips. I prefer corn chips on the Super Bowl. All I want to do is sit on a couch and eat corn chips. Um, right. And then I was thinking, he's going to put on 3D glasses, and I'm going to put on 3D glasses, and we're going to eat corn chips and drink light beer. And at some point in time, he's going to look at me, and I'm going to go, this is the dumbest thing we've ever done. We look stupid. Oh, my, my, my. <laughs> yes, Captain. Warp speed ahead. Um, that's why to me, that's why 3d TVs failed. And then we got into like curved TVs. Do people care about curved TVs? I don't think so. 4k. It's the year 4k in large part because Netflix and see that this story kind of gets all tied together that I thought 3d TVs were going to fail because of the Super Bowl TV, Super Bowl TV, Super Bowl. But now Netflix is making that move to 4k content and that helps Apple. Apple has got a TV box. Um, that 
it, it supports 4K, but there's not enough programming out there. And it just seems like Comcast is never going to get their act together. Or do we need a new box to get 4K through Comcast? Like, what is holding us up here? And psychologically, I'm like, I want 4K. I don't know why I want 4K, but I want 4K. So when I got my Apple TV, I'm like, I'm going to buy Guardians of the Galaxy in 4K at iTunes. And I was like, ooh, that's what 4K looks like. Okay, so I'm kind of over it, right? But you kind of see how Netflix is, is, is pushing this pretty smartly with a lot of their own shows, um, helping to support their business model and charging you more. Now, speaking of business models and like the whole 21st century thing, JetBlue not too long ago said, you know what? We're going to push against the tide and we're not going to list our services on Priceline anymore. Um, so they've taken flights off of 12 online services and they're pushing people to buy directly at JetBlue. Is it because of the sign of times that things are so good at JetBlue? A little bit of that. Is it a sign of times that we're now starting to learn like the best deals are offered at that hotel or the best deals are offered at JetBlue um, or Southwest? You know, Southwest is a discount airliner, right? They, they're kind of keeping costs as low as they can. They kind of know in their head that you'll find them and that they don't have to be on all these booking sites. So JetBlue already gets well over half of its bookings from people who come straight to JetBlue. And they think more and more people go straight to them. So they don't have to pay that 10% kickback. JetBlue is confident that it can fill the seats without all those listings. It's still on the big ones like Expedia, but getting rid of some of the smaller ones um, like what's cheaper.com and vacationexpress.com. So they're cutting out some of the channels. And, you know, I, I think they're going to see more and more of that of how do you control content and how do you just, you know, again, Disney did it. Don't you think other studios are going to follow Disney's lead and say, we're going to pull our content from Netflix? And that's why Netflix is throwing down $8 billion a year on new content. And they're going to do tons of movies this year. I think they've got at least 20 slated for 2018. Uh, so that's out there. Earlier, I talked a little bit about PayPal, and I want to talk about it one more time because Venmo is growing like a weed, and Apple is putting in their iOS 11 a situation where you could pay your friend with your Apple to Apple through Instant Messenger. Um, and that's pretty great. And you could do that with Venmo and that's pretty great. So PayPal is getting more people to use its services more often. And that's pretty great. So PayPal grew, you know, the average transactions per average account grew 33, um, was up to 33 last year. That's up 9%. So getting people to use it more often is important. Getting higher, um, cost done to it is more profitable. So some of PayPal's newer initiatives include pay with Venmo, which, you know, uh, uh, people can use their Venmo accounts when shopping at online merchants. The company announced earlier this week that it would start rolling out the feature to more than 2 million PayPal merchants. So you can now be at Home Depot and instead of paying with PayPal, you're like, what's my login? You can just pull out your phone and pay with Venmo. So PayPal's interest in making money off the popular peer-to-peer platform uh, that it acquired with the acquisition of Braintree a few years back. Um you know, it's, it's, there's growth there. So after the pay with Venmo rollout, Venmo users are able to shop online using the platform, which is the core strength of PayPal. Uh, PayPal offers its own peer to peer payment tools, which are popular, though less sexy than Venmo's. Um, so they're kind of cornering, they're not cornering the market. And will Apple make a serious charge in? That's a big question. Uh, but processing payments, it's good business. Go take a look at Visa's stock chart. Go take a look at, PayPal stock chart. Go take a look at MasterCard stock chart. Go take a look at American Express. And yes, sometimes you will find flaws, 
But what I'm looking right now, I'm looking at which uh, PayPal, it's honestly the most beautiful chart I've ever seen. I'm in love with it. If you could put a staple halfway through in like the belly button and you could stare at this every single day longing for this chart. So do I think that you can own that forever? I think if you've owned it forever up to this point, you've done very, very well. And that's a pretty good sign. Now, Visa, not quite as, oh my gosh, it's more beautiful. And then you like, you pull up MasterCard, and you're like, oh my gosh, MasterCard's beautiful too. And PayPal's got like an $80 billion market cap. And then you look at Visa, you see that they've got a $250 billion market cap, and they just raised their dividend. Not by a lot. Uh, surprisingly little. And Visa made a huge mistake years ago. They they spun off Visa Europe to the, Europe, uh, you know, because no one likes Europeans, right? They're smelly. I got to be careful what I say. Let's try not to get let's try not to get suspended for a second time in a year. I've never been suspended twice in the same year. Seems like every year I get suspended for at least a day, sometimes a week. I got in trouble a couple years back when I suggested that you know when the riot police were pulling out water cannons and shooting the Greeks that there was their shower of their month. Got in trouble for that. I got suspended for that. Now I, now, I, now I won't say it. I'll just tell the story that I won't say it. I won't say it live, though. That I'm not that not kind of stupid. Behavior, okay? So you don't even know what I... You don't even want to know what I got suspended for this year. What will I get suspended for next year? But man, looking at that Visa, MasterCard, American Express charts, there's some good investing in those uh, payment processors. So... Did anyone get the staple in the in the middle of the chart reference? I'm Rob Black. It's like putting a staple in in a belly button. So I think about that for a bit. My angel is a centerfold. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, seven to nine on AM twelve twenty KDOW. How long does it take to make a million dollars? Is a million dollars a lot of money? I guess it depends on where you live and what your budget is, right? A lot of people, I remember when I was 18 years old, a million dollars is going to be my retirement number. I wanted to have a million dollars by the time I was 35. I basically saw my dad work till the day he died. And I was like, I don't want to be that guy. And he worked till the day he died. Um, And I didn't want to be that guy. And again, it's, it, it jarred me when I said that out loud just now, because I'll probably work till the day I die. And I've got more than a million dollars. Some people get financially independent early. I wanted to be financially independent before I was 35 so that I can spend the next 15 years of my life on a beach with a beautiful woman selling apples or oranges. Um, and then things get complicated. You get married, you get divorced. Um, within the first year of my marriage, holy mackerel, she was doing crazy stuff. She was on the internet. She worked at a cosmetics company and the cosmetics company had a board of directors from a bigger company. So she worked at, um, not benefit, but one of those makeup companies that are very San Francisco. And, um, it might've been benefit now that I think about it, but they were bought by Louis Vuitton, Moe Hennessy. So the board would send out some of their, their key players. And there's this, French guy, Oog, and uh, he took her out to dinner or something like that, and basically she, they started emailing each other. And Why do you think I have this outrageous accent, you silly king? And it was pretty innocent, all things considered. 
send the emails back and forth. And I only found it. And you're going, you went through her email. You're a monster. I just walked right next to the computer and I saw this kind of thing. Um, and maybe I shouldn't have read to the end. And then I read every email and then I printed them all. Maybe. Maybe. And uh, it got kind of crazy. It was like, you know, uh, so he's on the board of directors and he was probably 65 and she was 30. That's when I was like, well, this isn't going to last. And it was under a year. So I printed everything out. We went to dinner. I said, is there anything you need to tell me? I said, How are things with us? And she goes, good. Things are good. Love having dinner with you. We're having a nice time. I'm like, and one of the emails had, you know, if your apartment catches on fire, your flat catches on fire in San Francisco, what three things would you grab? And she goes, I'd grab my, uh, her response to him was pretty stupid. Uh, but it was like, I would grab my Edgar Allan Poe first edition. I would grab my phone so I can call you and I'd grab a credit card so I could fly to you or something like that. And that was pretty innocent, right? <laughs> so we're at dinner and, um, I've got a stack of emails that she's like, what's in the, what's in the envelope? And I was like, some emails. She goes, what, what do they say? And I said, if there's a fire tonight, can you do me a favor and wake me up? Get me out of the, get me out of the flat. And she started piecing everything together and she goes, I want a divorce because she figured out that she had been caught. I was like, Oh sweetie, we're going that direction. Don't worry about it. It was under a year. So I bring this up because at age 18, this was the woman that I wanted to be with selling apples and oranges on a beach. She was beautiful. She was, you know, sexy. She was fun. She was intelligent, Berkeley educated. Um, and it didn't work out and that's okay. Um, I'm fine with that it kind of damaged me a little bit because my dream was something else. Um, you know, the childhood dream, white dress. We didn't even, we didn't even do that. I mean, we kind of eloped and, um, had a party. It was a good party, a great party in San Francisco for our friends and family. But, uh, so this 18 year old kid, I wanted a million dollars. So for a million dollars, what's that mean to you? You know, uh, is it financial freedom? If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, will I buy you a house? I, I oddly look like the lead singer of this band, which is, help me with the name real quick. The band? Bare Naked Ladies, B&L, okay. They have a song in, in this old apartment. Just, it makes me cry because it's about a breakup in, in this old apartment that we used to live in. We had all these dreams. But this is a million dollars. I would buy a Reliant K car, a reliable old. Like, what would you buy with a million dollars? To me, a million dollars is a lot of money. Um, so how much is a million dollars? It depends on your income, how much money you're making. It depends on your expenses, how much you're spending. And it depends on your savings, how much you're savings. Um, and you can figure this all out and figure out how much you need for a million dollars. So it's pretty easy. If you're going to get a 5% return, you know, what are your annual savings? $208 a month. And you're going to get to a million dollars. It's going to take you 48 years. If you start by saving $208 a month and getting 5%. But if you get 10% return, it's only going to take you 39 years. And that's when, like, okay, so when you're 20, all it takes is you saving $400 a month and getting a lousy 5% return. But if you get a 10% return, which is the historic return of the stock market, 
it cuts nine years off your your goal. And if you get 15% returns, which have been become pretty normal in years past, it takes you 34 years to get to a million dollars. So when I was 18, I had this goal of, I want a million dollars per time when I was 35. And I hit it. And I'm proud of that. Um, but then, like I said, you get married and you get divorced. And did she get half? She didn't. Um, because I was very adamant. And I, I think you should be adamant about this too. What's yours is yours. What's hers is hers. Keep your assets separate for one year. And then have that conversation about merging assets. Um, but you're not ready until then. At that point in time, you're just, you're too in love or in lust. So you can reach a million dollars if you're making $200,000 a year way faster by just saving 5% because that 5% suddenly is $833 a month. And if it's 10%, it's $1,600 a month. So that's suddenly cuts you down to 22 years. But if you're making a hundred thousand dollars, that 5% of your salary is $400 a month or 10% is $800 a month. And again, that changes the number from, you know, 22 years to a million to $30 uh, years to a million. So the secret here is start young and do 10% to 15% of your salary because it's going to get you to retirement a lot faster. How do you do it? Uh, What index fund should you own? I think you should own Vanguard Total Stock Market Index. I think that's a great place to start. Um, Now, how much of your, what percentage should be in the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index? This is where it gets tricky. Because also, I want you to own the Vanguard Total International Stock Market Index. So you get some international, ooh la la, ig, from Louis Vuitton Moe Hennessy. I hope you got cancer and died. I've wished cancer. I have this outrageous accent, you silly king. I've wished cancer on two people. He was one of them. And when you wish cancer on someone, it pisses them off. There was another one, which was, and I'm embarrassed to say this, a ticket person at United. And the look of shock on her face when I I said, I hope you get cancer and die. I was younger. Please forgive me for saying that because it's a horrible, horrible thing to say. But it came out. Um, And I won't even tell you the circumstance because it's more embarrassing the more I think about it. I'm not going to take this anymore. So if you own the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index and you own the Vanguard Total International Stock Index, 60-40-70-30, the international is going to be riskier than the domestic in theory. But don't you think if you've ever traveled to Asia um, or Europe, you're like, they could use some more roads here. What's this two-lane highway? I want to go back to the America that's got eight-lane highways. You know, parts of 101 have six lanes. And you're like, not enough. Um, I would imagine down in LA, there's probably some eight-lane highways that I haven't found quite yet. But so you, you start with the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index because it's cheap and it gives you great coverage. And you get the Vanguard Total International Stock Market Index because it's cheap and it gives you great coverage. And then you start th- saying things like, what else do I want to own? That's how you start to set up a diversified portfolio. And I think you could own four growth stocks. I think you can own Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, maybe Apple. I own a lot of those companies. Um, then if you want to get like super sexy, like you already have a diverse, you already have a good portfolio at that point in time. You don't have any coverage in case of a down market. So maybe you get a bond index if you're fearful of down markets. I love down markets. I invest more in down markets than I do in up markets. I'm more excited by getting more shares of the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index or the Vanguard International Stock Market Index. And sometimes companies like Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, they don't give you a chance to buy 
20% off like the stock market does. They may give you 5 or 10%, and that's when you have to jump on it. So just throwing that out there for you. That's how you set up a diversified portfolio, and hopefully that's how you get to a million dollars by the time you're 35. Or, if you're more realistic, by the time you're 50, 55, 60. Um, $200 to $600 a month is going to get you there. The more money you make, the more you should save, because you're going to get addicted to that budget. Little bare neck ladies, I look like the lead singer, and that is not a compliment, because A, he's Canadian. Tell me one good-looking Canadian man. I <laughs> can't come up with one, can you? And B, he's a puffy white dude. I look like a puffy white dude. I'm not happy with that. Puffy and pasty? <laughs> not a good combination. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So you know the phrase, buy them when you can, not when you have to. For five straight years, Facebook has been driving higher and higher and higher since coming public. And you felt like, whoa, it got away from me. And that's a good thought sometimes. But when it has those weeks where it comes down, those months where the market pulls back, do you suddenly start licking your chops? Or are you now like what scared you on the upside, chasing performances, scaring you on the downside, catching a falling knife? Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton, who does the show here 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays here on AM 1220, KDOW, long time. Uh, partner of the show, uh, longtime content provider. How are you, Mr. Burton? Great. How are you? Good. So um, people can find you at newfocusfinancial.com. Um, you did the show this morning. One of your segments was tied towards the converting a IRA to a Roth. Uh, people ask that question a lot because it's one of those tough analytical answers or Maybe it's an easy analytical answer. It's just something we don't really approach in our daily lives, like righty tighty, lefty loosey. Uh, but you did a segment right. today where you talked you talked a little bit about what happens when your balanced fund is isn't keeping up, isn't doing its job, right. isn't it's not. And I get it because I, I someone sent me their year results for the last seven years yesterday, and what like three of the years were up like two point three percent. I'm like, what were you in? But um, go ahead. Well, yeah, and it's been an interesting year because you look at 2015, the market was only up by its dividends, right? About 2% on the S&P 500, but that's that's going to happen. I mean, the market, the stock market averages around 11%, but very rarely does it give you between 9 and you know 13%. It's usually much higher. And when the market's negative, the negative returns typically average around 13%. But so it's 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 very seldom the straight, you know, bottom left to top right line. Um, I've noticed a couple of things, Rob. I mean, first of all, people are so far out on the risk, you know, curve because the market has been not volatile for the last several years, right? And people are forgetting the things about single stock risk. I mean, Facebook is a perfect example to remind people they need to diversify out of their company stock, regardless of who it is. Um, sure. And that's a tough thing Facebook for people is, to do. It is. It is because the taxes are involved and. Taxes in the Bay Area are extremely expensive, so um, it's something as you get closer and closer to retirement, you really have to be concerned with, because let's say you're about to retire tomorrow and your plan was to sell a bunch of Facebook stock and cash in, and then it, and it drops. Um, or you don't sell it at all and you live off of your entire retirement on Facebook and you realize that no teenager is on Facebook at this point. They're on Instagram, and if they go off Instagram, where are they going to go from there? Um, so as soon as you're thinking way too positive about a stock, a single stock, you, you really need to find ways to look at both sides of the argument. 
But okay. what I was talking about this morning is uh, Terry Spath, CFA. Um, she wrote an article on, hey, when does the 60-40 balance portfolio not work, not protect an investor? And really, it has to do with retirement. And in retirement, you have to sell, right? Every month. You've got to create some income. And usually, stocks and bonds kind of work opposite. So when stocks are down, bonds tend to go up as people fly to quality. They fly to the safe havens that are out there. But this year, our safe havens are, you know, Barclays Aggregate Bond Index, Vanguard Total Stock Market, or Total Bond Market Index funds. They're down around two, two point two percent or so. Um, so the issue is, is that when do bonds get hurt and stocks get hurt at the same time? And that's when you have a lot of wage inflation or a lot of commodity inflation or a drastically falling currency, and the Federal Reserve has to raise interest rates quickly, and that can tend to hurt the stock and the bond market at the same time. And I'm not trying to predict or say that that's going to happen. I really don't think it's all that likely to be a major, major problem. But we just kind of went through that period, right, where that correction, both bonds and stocks corrected at the same time. Sounds about uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, so we see those periods of time. That's why you have to have... Oh, go ahead. So this email that I got yesterday, and this this ties directly in, he wants to have his portfolio reviewed, and he has enough to use a a a CFP to review and to plot and to budget and to do everything that CFPs do. But he also kind of wanted, hey, do you have any ideas or websites that can help me because, you know, I, I need to know how my funds are doing compared to where they should be doing. He's also paying one of those, um, you know, uh, fintech companies like $5 a month to tell him how he should be allocated. Um, so he's paying a small fee, but he was curious. And I think a lot of people have the same curiosity. And my therapist has always told me, stay curious and everything you do, stay curious. Um, any advice for the person who wants to stay curious, isn't quite ready for financial planners, but is getting close, just bite the bullet, meet the financial planner. What do you do? What do you do when you're trying to judge your performance? Well, first of all, it's, you know, if, if you're using some sort of a tool online, whether it's a robo or your 401k financial engines or something like that, it's huh? going to create a basic pie chart for you. Right. And if you start guessing outside of that and you end up, you know, usually you need about anywhere between 8 to 15 mutual funds or ETFs, anything over that is massive over-diversification usually. Like, you're, you're just owning too much stuff, and you're trying to get in what was already hot or guess what the next best sector is going to be, and you end up with all of these different assets, and you just end up with actually mediocre or, or lackluster performance. Um, so when you start having too many questions that you can't answer, that's when you actually need a financial advisor to be, you know, the quarterback to say this is this is how you stay on the right track. People that have the tendency to do a lot of it on their own maybe need an hourly advisor. People that say, you know what, I want to delegate all this so I can do what I do well and then spend time with my family and doing the things that I love and they want to delegate it out. That's when you need more of a full service comprehensive financial advisor that charges a, you know, a fee to manage the money and do the financial planning. So we have an event coming up. It's it's a bit of a ways off. It's uh, we got to get through the tax month of April, but then in May, early on in May, May third, we're going to do an event six thirty to eight thirty at the Juniper Hotel in Cupertino. We only get to Cupertino about once a year. You can go to newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com, and sign up for the May third event using the code Radio twenty five to get in for free. This will give you a good concept of financial planning. This will give you a good concept of what you need to know going into retirement. Um, There's a lot of good downloadables at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. 
You can find them online at newfocusfinancial.com. And that was CFP, Chad Burton. Listen to them Tuesdays and Wednesdays, 6 to 7 a.m. here on AM 1220 KDOW. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.